Hey everybody, Bees with Ben. Got a brilliant episode today. Uh, something slightly a little bit different. If you're thinking about berry, you might think about raspberry, blackberry, even hailberry. But I have the berry queen, as mentioned by Matt Preston in the age. 16 years ago. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Pam. I've got Pam Roland on the line. Thank you so much, Pam. It's great, Ben. I'm pleased. I'm delighted you want to talk to me. It's really great. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant because obviously with the platform talking about bees and obviously pollination and honey and all these wonderful things they do, we uh, I thought you know, having, your, having you on board and talking about obviously your farm and um, obviously berries, um, Sylvan Estate, which we're going to hear all about it. So uh, jumping right back to the start, how did it all begin? How did you sort of get into the uh, the Yarra Valley? Oh, well, um, it goes back a while, uh, 1999. And my husband, Jeremy, uh, had just taken retirement from BHP. He's a civil engineer. And um, oh, I, and I was overseas, actually. I was way in Ireland. I, w- I worked in Ireland for a year. That was another, that's another story. But anyway, he rang me up and he said, I oh, look, I'm thinking about this. I'm really thinking about this. And I've been to see this place up in Sylvan and it's beautiful soil and lovely aspect. And uh, I think I'm, and I said, you're going to buy a farm? And he said, yes. I said, well, what are we going to grow? And he said, raspberry. Yes. And I know. <laughs> Oh yes, and he said. Anyway, that's what we did. 1999, he bought these, um, bought this lovely farm, beautiful aspect here, and lovely. The the, the topsoil is about a meter deep. It's absolutely amazing, and it's a very dark chocolate, and uh, has great water. And uh, I came home from Ireland in uh, about July of 1999. And we, he had been busy, and uh, he'd hoed up all the, um, the the big paddock. But once upon a time, grew strawberries, and we still find remnant strawberries out there. It's amazing, really. Um, and we sat in; it was very cold, and we sat on these newly tilled rows and stuck these sticks in the ground. And six months later, Ben, we had raspberries. That's it was awesome. Quite <laughs> yes. Yes. Love it. And so what was your profession? You mentioned you come from Ireland. So what were you oh, working well, as? <laughs> well, um, look, the, the last 10 years, of, I'm a trained nurse, but the last 10 years of my working life had been, uh, oh, oh, I shouldn't say that because uh, growing berries was sort of like work. Uh, it was pretty hard work, actually. Yeah, of course. But I, I had been uh, uh, on the administration of the Australian Ballet, so... Uh, working as a development officer, so that was that. That was uh, the, my last little bit of uh, city work, and uh, the 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 year in Ireland was uh, sort of something a bit different. But then I came home to Melbourne, and we got stuck into um, growing raspberries. How far, and and so you started off with raspberries because I think it was uh, if we go forward a couple of years, uh, Matt Preston he come out to your farm and the likes of you know, top chefs like Shannon Bennett were buying your raspberries. <laughs> yes, yes. Look, it was um, it it was pretty interesting actually. The, that that Christmas when we had this uh, first variety of, of raspberries produced for us it was a variety called Bogong, 
wasn't altogether the most successful raspberry, but it was it was big. It was very flashy, very flashy. And I, I, I all of a sudden, I went out there one morning and we had all this fruit. And I, I said, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with it? You know, wh- where am I going to go? Um, and I went back down to Melbourne and I went to a little provador that I had known in my years of living in Melbourne and I asked the, the girls there, um, do you know, you know, can you give me the name of a chef? I, I want to go and see a chef uh, about our raspberries. And they looked at the fruit and they said, oh, wow, yes. Go down to um, uh, talk to this female chef down in St Kilda. And so off I went. Uh, with this tray of raspberries, and she said, "Yeah, they're very good. Bring bring me some more tomorrow." So that was the beginning, and then I went off and saw Philippe Michel, and I, I as a, a way of finding out, it, it the the restaurant business hadn't. I didn't have particularly an in there. I didn't know many of the chefs. In fact, I knew zip none and um, <laughs> love it. <laughs> so I bought a copy of the Age Good Food Guide and it was invaluable because it gave me the names of all the restaurants it gave me the names of all the chefs it gave me all the phone numbers it gave me the feeding capacity of the uh, restaurants it told me the sort of things that the chefs you know the, the cuisine that they like to uh, prepare and so I went from went through uh, the, the Age Good Food Guide and worked up my own list of uh, clients. That is and, that's, um, that's brilliant. I absolutely love that. The fact that you just just you, you created a, an awesome produce, beautiful raspberries. You, you've, uh, from a beautiful part of uh, the Yarra Valley, uh, or Victoria for that matter, and, you, and you've gone down and just and uh, found some chefs and said, here's some great raspberries. Do you want to buy them? And that's how, it all, that's how that started. And, and that's how it started. And, you know, at the same time, you know, the capacity, what we were producing uh, was, was, you know, greater in quantity than uh, the restaurants that I could uh, uh, sell to. And uh, so we also had uh, um, a, a company that, you know, would take our produce into Melbourne market. And I also had a little run around the Yarra Valley uh, we used to, I used to go in the car. At that time, we didn't have any refrigerated uh, refrigerated vehicle. I had to uh, put things into ice boxes and do, you know loads of ice ice blocks overnight and all of this sort of thing and towels, wet towels and you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't great when I think back about it now. But um, eventually, we did buy a refrigerated van and you know we. We became a whole lot more professional about um, just exactly how we picked and packed and delivered, um, how we promoted our fruit, and uh, you know what we produced. And yeah, I mean, we we over the years lots of different varieties of raspberries until we settled on the varieties that were the ones that travelled best, okay. the ones that kept best. And the ones that tasted. Okay, and what varieties so, were those? So, you, so you mentioned you start off with the bogan uh, yeah. variety. So, and you and you changed. And so, how many plants or how many how many acres or hectares did you have at the start? And mm-hmm. how did that all change and evolve? 
Yes. Well, we had about three hectares of raspberries and we had half a hectare of oh, uh, blueberries and we had a big patch of red currants. And, and it, you know, and then some brambles, you know, some of the Logan berries that they were a favourite because the chefs would say when you know I'd go with the raspberries and what else have you got and so we we grew these other other things to hmm, to, to sort of we developed a berry basket and you know I could say to them well we've got um, these varieties of raspberries that start the season and these are the ones that we're going through that Christmas period and also. You know the the um, red currants will be available for Christmas time, and uh, you you know I gave them a whole marketing list, uh, and they could plan, you know what they would what they would put onto their um, restaurant menus, and uh, yeah, it was just it, it 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 was just simple. Once I got talking to the chef, they guided me, and uh, and I fed them back. Beautiful yeah. berries, and so and so. What do you think made your berries better than say anyone else in the area or or someone else? What do you think made yours better? Uh, uh, well, I always reckoned, and you know, Jeremy and I, we were pretty determined that the berries had to have good flavour, and you only get good flavoured berries when you pick them right. Okay, and amazingly, you know, those berries keep just as well as those ones that are picked underripe. And, you know, this was this was always... And, of course, you know, we had good refrigeration. Uh, we had a program... You know, the, the, the way we got the berries picked and then brought them into the shed and cooled them down very quickly and took them out of the cool room only for the shortest period of time when we were ready to pack them into punnet and then got them get them back into the refrigerator. And, it, you know, because it's, it's, it's critical. It's soft fruit. With soft fruit, it, it, if you, you're raising the temperature up and down, you are just, you know, taking away the life of the berry once it's been picked. And so it's a, it's a critical thing to manage that cool chain. And, of course, you know, when we, we bought our refrigerated vans and um, we, we were driving them down to Melbourne and Jeremy would leave here, you know, half past three in the morning um, and uh, knew all the cleaners at the restaurants in Melbourne, you know, they were great. And... Uh, and we, we put the uh, trays of berries into the cool rooms for the chefs and just maintaining that cool chain, absolutely vital, you know. And it always saddens me still when I see beautiful, you know, beautiful-looking fruit in the, in, the, um, in the supermarkets and in the, in the greengrocers sitting out at the front of the shops because they are a come-on. They're, you know, they feel the colour always fills your eye with, uh, you know, I want you, I want to eat, eat you. Yes. And yet they're, they're sitting on unrefrigerated shelves, you know, and so they're going to deteriorate pretty quickly. And, um, you know, then, you, yes, I want to eat you and you better get on with it quickly because they're not going to keep. 
That's so interesting. So it's all about like like with anything in life, but about respecting it. And you're really respected from the the word go. You know, respected the the fruit. So so on that subject. So how does a year look? And we'll sort of talk about pollination and and bees. But how does a year look? Say over, starting off with the season. So winter time with maintaining winter. that fruit because a lot of people think okay, it is a relatively short period of time. And you can sort of talk us through that. But but how does a year look as far as maintaining those those um, what's what's the word? I'm thinking vines, but that's not they're not a vine, is it? What's the terminology? For? No, cane. So cane, cane, cane. There you go, cane. Various grow on cane. That's right. And well, you, you know, the winter time, of course, is all the preparation and it's all the pruning. And uh, once the once the leaves drop drop off the canes, some of the some of the varieties, of course, only have one crop. Others are dual croppers, and uh, you. You know, some varieties you get them down to the ground, uh, and they come shooting back up again. You know, six months, like I mentioned, the bogong, the that original variety that we had. Then there are varieties like um, uh, and I think is a, a very good example, and Circles Willamette, another one, um, uh, and um, oh god, some of the names now I'm, I'm not thinking clearly about some of the names of. The, the old varieties, which was which really are some of the best ones actually, and um, they you prune out the cane from the um, the summer cropping, and then the autumn crop comes on uh, a new cane, and that crop then uh, returns again in the summer, and you know, and so on. The cycle goes with with um, with the dual croppers. Okay. But, uh, what about pollination? So what about sort of coming into um, at springtime? Yeah. So how did you – did you start off getting bees or did you not get bees at the very start back in the uh, – yeah, the very start? At the very start, we didn't have bees, but it soon, it soon became pretty obvious. And, you know, uh, we spent – Jeremy and I who knew nothing, I have to say, knew nothing – did a lot of looking over fences, and uh, you know, just to see what just to see what others were doing. And it was clear they were using bees. They had lots of hives around their properties, and so we got some hives in. And you know, it did make a marked difference. Bees like raspberries. They do love the raspberry flower. They don't like the blueberry flower so much. They don't like having to stick their noses right up into yes. the the little bell shape of the blueberry but um, raspberries uh, bees are bees are great mates uh, you know they, they love the raspberry flowers they love the brambles they love the blackberries uh, and so you know having a few hives in um, for that uh, for pollination uh, well it bounced the uh, I have to tell you it, it, it bounced the production up Interesting. So, and were you using a beekeeper then, or did you buy the bees yourself? How did that sort of? No, no, no. We 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 had a we had a. a oh God, yes. No, I'm remembering. Um, young man who lived up in uh, Mount Dandenong, and uh, he used to bring his hives down. In fact, he he left his hives here most of most of the year. Um, the Christmas was, you know, we've got a big European garden around and there was always something flowering, always something and the eucalypts down in the uh, bush uh, near the bottom of the farm, always something for the bees. They seem to do 
they seem to do well on this farm. Yeah, they do. Well, for those listening, that I've got my bees down there and um, and they're actually – I've got more than one or two. I'm not sure if Pam's had a look down there yet, but it's, they, uh, do, they do so well. Like there's something about it. I don't know if it's everything – as you're saying, you mentioned before, the raspberries and, and the bees are just onto it like, you know, like a magnet. And, um, and they do so well because also talking you, – you, as berry farmers, you don't use hardly any – sort of insecticides or fungicides, really, do you? I don't know if you use any at all. Well, um, well, we certainly didn't. Um, we, we certainly didn't when we were growing. Uh, we didn't find it necessary, actually. If you, you start if you start messing about with um, uh, chemicals, you, you, you know, the natural... You know, most plants can cope with uh, predators, you know, they... they uh, there will be infestations from time to time. Yes, I've seen um, little insects on the berries and the little mealy bugs and the little vegetable bugs and the you know there's um, y- you you know every now and again you get a you get an outbreak. But um, generally, generally, the plant can look after itself pretty well, and uh, we never found it necessary in any way. Um, we preferred for what bit of damage there might have been uh, from insects uh, or snails. You know, we usually did have to manage snails. Snails, funny snails can travel. I don't know. I, I reckon they're motorised, but, you know, when we're not looking. They seem to come from a long way and they seem to like it out here. Um, we, did have to be, we did have to deter snails, but um, generally... No insecticides, no fungicides when we were growing, and uh, you know, and it was a much better thing to be able to say to the chef, "We don't spray our fruit." Yeah, love it. You know, because because it was something that they did ask. You know, what sort of sprays do you? We don't. We don't spray our fruit. Love we it. didn't. We, we didn't ever uh, market ourselves as organic. We thought about it a couple of times, but it did cut out um, uh, because we had to use. Some um, treating, yeah, getting rid of snails, for instance, you know, and uh, so we, we uh, there would have been the odd other. Um, yes, yeah, so there were some things that we used that um, from time to time uh, to manage scale. I think I remember um, nothing, nothing significant, and that was a winter spray that you put on. And, uh, you know, it was nowhere near the fruit or the flowers or any of the crop, really. Hmm. That's, that's brilliant, Pam. And, um, you, you know, not you, using you're chemicals. Test, you're, testing, you're testing my memory a bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a long time ago. You know, it's a long time ago when I think about it. Goodness gracious. I think yeah. I think a lot of farms, and we're going to talk about this uh, soon. You know, obviously the changes within industry and so forth. But I think a lot of people, you know, some some orchardists sort of are too quick. Okay, let's get this particular fungicide. Yep, yep, let's spray it and and do that. And we'll talk about it in a sec. But uh, I read in the article um, sixteen years ago that at peak time you had up to it was about thirty backpackers coming in picking the fruit. Oh, yes, that's right. Will they live here? This big old house. Uh, here on the farm, um, five double bedrooms in it, and and um, and we bought some caravans, and the kids 
um, they they had a downstairs in this house a big granny flat, and so they they used the granny flat for their kitchen and uh, television room, and we built some extra showers and and uh, toilets and things like that out on the farm. So we had oh what um, half a dozen caravans and uh, the five yeah you know four bedrooms here in the house you know and. Um, uh, Look, the, the, the backpackers were wonderful. You know, we, I'm still in touch with, you know, many of them. They still, every Christmas, I'm still writing to them, the very first girls that ever came onto our farm. And uh, uh, we were known, you know, the, the word of mouth, uh, you know, telling, telling uh, you know, lots of uh, backpackers, French and German and, you know, uh, Korean Korean girls and um, uh, you know look they just came from everywhere they just came from everywhere and we loved them and they worked hard it, you know uh, it's pretty it, it was hard work for them it was hard work for them but we trained them and uh, they were paid absolutely um, you know correctly paid and uh, we looked after them you know the we had parties and um, we... Yes. Parties? We, we, I can imagine the parties. Yeah, <laughs> they were wonderful. They were wonderful. And Christmas time, I'd go down to the trout farm at Macclesfield and I'd buy, you know, two huge um, five kilo salmons, you know, and we, we'd cook them and the kids would all bring... Uh, they'd bring something to the table uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and we'd have these great feasts. You know, and it's with tables all the way around the upstairs area here, and they'd decorate the room because they were away from home, and Christmas was always special to them. And um, I, you know, that that was uh, it became like a family. What and be- beautiful memories! We, beautiful memories you've yeah. created. Like I love it. Beautiful that you've created and you've made for them. It's like it's lovely. Yes, it was very successful. Very successful. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think we, we sort of set a bit of a standard, at, um, you know, on um, how to look after them. And it, it worked for us and it worked for them, obviously. Yes, no, for sure, for sure. And um, so uh, 1999, bought the farm. Now, what year did you decide to, obviously, it's hard work, you know, being a primary producer, whether you're, you know, whatever type of, you know, if you're a dairy farmer or beekeeper or, you know, orchardist or so forth. But so what, what year did you decide to, okay, we're going to, to lease this out and, and not actually do it yourself? Um, yes, yes. Well, that was about um, six years ago now. So, you know, right, when I think about it. Um, yeah, about six years ago. And so we entered into an arrangement with um, a young man who, had been looking after uh, some of the um, labour hire uh, operations on the farms that we we knew. Um, we tripped over the uh, the Jerry and I uh, set up a cooperative with some other farmers here in the area, and that was a strategy uh, that you know suited us well too, as we decided. I guess we decided to get out of the direct deliveries after 
doing it for 10 years or so. It, that, it was a big stretch, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was very hard work getting up in the middle of the night. And I used to do those runs sometimes, and uh, it was very hard work. Of course. But, um, but, it was, but it, it, you know, it was always so successful, and, you know, the great responses that we had from clients uh, and customers. Uh, but we, we decided about six years ago that um, at our age, we we, you know, there was there were other things that uh, probably needed our attention, and uh, we we handed over, we leased uh, the, uh, the the growing areas, the farm, to this young man and his uh, uh, family, and uh, they grew here. Uh, they're involved in growing on other farms locally, yes, and. Uh, uh, so that's that's become their business now. They're finishing up um, later this year. Yes. And so the farm is coming to an end as a producer. And Jeremy and I are thinking very hard about uh, the next step, the next phase for this farm. We've got some ideas. We've got some ideas about that. Look, it's a bit sad, Ben. I think you and I have had this conversation before. Encouraging people to come out here and to work as we did, uh, and you know, as other farmers did, and is that this has always been a very um, uh, productive area in this silver area. The farming goes has gone on here for at least a hundred years. Generations yes. of farmers who are still farming, but. It, you know, they've had uh, family that have taken over from them. But it was the most productive area for fruit and flowers, berries in particular, um, home fruit, apples, pears, that sort of thing, and vegetables, a, a very substantial uh, produ- you know, area of production. And, uh, you know, yes, there's still a lot of farms here. The Dutch families still grow all of their flowers. And there are some uh, uh, families that have, well, they're they're sort of, um, they're not growing in their own right any longer. They're managed by some of the overseas businesses. Yes. Um, uh, Won't go there with names, but, you know, there are some very big uh, uh, companies that, um, you know, get, they mark, they, they take, they, they put their varieties onto farms and then they market those varieties. Um, we never wanted to go that way, okay. you know. But um, that, that's, that's, another, that's another phase and, and uh, uh, sort of development of, of uh, primary production in this area. Yes. Well, it's interesting. Uh, who knows? Someone may be listening to this podcast and, and you know, got a bit of spark about them and a bit of fire in their belly. And, you know, if they want to shoot me for a message and, you know, um, they know how to get in contact with me and I could pass on the details to you because who knows that the, uh, so far it's had over 20,000 plays. And there might be that one special person, as you said, may go, okay, I don't want to do berries, but I want a, some type of obscure fruit, you know, or like a, a gooseberry or something, or I don't know, something a little bit different, or gar- like a black Russian garlic or something, I don't know. But they may Absolutely. want to do something because your farm, as I've got my bees there, and they do so well. They're just, they're, they're bubbling away and, you know, the whole area there. And as you said, rich, you mentioned the word 
the land is fertile, and this is it's mm. that um, it's that red, rich volcanic. It, it looks like it's full of the best nutrients. You know, what I mean, it's horrible in winter time because you get you get bulked real easy. Yeah, to you, yes, I know. There's an expression, and you, you know, all of a sudden you're you're three inches higher walking around on it, you know, because it's got that nice clay in it. But it's um, <laughs> uh, but it but it does, uh, yes, it is a beautifully, uh, it's, it's volcanic, and uh, you know, it's interesting. The the farm next door to us, at to us, uh, uh, just down to the uh, uh, southwest. Um, Absolutely covered in this volcanic rock. Uh, we didn't, none of it landed on our farm, but Jeremy, we went and imported some of it back into our farm, and Jeremy built um, a beautiful garden wall with it. Okay. I call it the great, the great wall of Sylvan. Uh, I call it. It's uh, absolutely beautiful, and these these lovely marble um, uh, rocks. Um, but but the, the farm is clean in that respect. We didn't have the uh, difficulty of having to pick our way through uh, this. It must have been a, an amazing volcanic blow, you know, a long, long, long time ago. And uh, But it, it missed our place, got the bloke down the back. And, uh, I did not know yeah. that. How, how interesting. And, and so being in the, in the industry for, you know, like over two decades now, um, what what's a, what's the say a po- what's a positive change that you've seen and maybe a negative change that you've seen? Well, all oh, positive changes. Well, I, I I guess that I'd have to attribute the success of the uh, cooperative that we started. That was, uh, you know, everybody said, oh, they don't last. They don't last. You know, farmers are oh, there. You know, they war with each other. And, and look, there has been an attrition of uh, growers through the group. But yeah. generally, I'd have to say that the, the, it, it's still there and it's still growing and, it has, and it's still successful and it has uh, taken on growers from, you know, right around Australia. So I just led to the, uh, uh, to the guys that are, look after the marketing uh, and that was the idea behind forming this cooperative, that we there's strength in numbers. Yes. There, you, you know, that's why the big growers, you know, that's why they've got their, their, their brands, you know, across the, uh, across the supermarket shelves. Everybody recognises those brands. And because they've got, the, they've got the quantity, and in setting up with this cooperative, the strength in numbers to produce the quantity that made us, Competitive uh, in the marketplace with the supermarkets and in the wholesale market, so that's been a success. I guess um, yes, the quality of varieties. Uh, I, I think uh, there has been a step up uh, in that respect. On the other hand, I think some of the varieties are pretty ordinary. You know, you can kick them all the way to Sydney, and yes. they, you know, don't, don't exhibit a bruise. Yeah, you know? agree. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, and, and you put them in your mouth and you just think, oh, they're just a bit chewy for my liking. But, um, and I suppose otherwise, I have to make mention of climate change and it has, it is impacting this area. You know, a lot of farms rely on surface water. They have, you know, small dams on creeks around in this area. And once upon a time, it was well served, well served by surface water. 
and those uh, dams that they created were, you know, able to water their farms, uh, you know, perfectly well, perfectly well. Sadly, that water source is uh, drying up. We're lucky on this farm. We're on a, a significantly good bore, and it goes down a long way. And, you know, um, you never say never, but I don't think it'll ever dry up. Um, it's a big, it's a great big crack in the rock, a long way down. Okay. Um, on the other hand, too, you know, the growing of um, soft fruits like berries, and they do succumb very, very quickly. You know, you can lose a crop overnight. Okay. Uh, yep. You know, one hot day, 30, 40 degree day, bang, down goes your crop. You've lost it. Wow, okay. Because... You know, the supermarkets now are so particular about how the fruit looks. In fact, you know, a lot of that fruit is perfectly edible, uh, but it's it's marked. It's, uh, you know, the, the droops, the little 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 pockets where the seeds sit on the, on the raspberries are called droops. And, you know, you get them marked by, marked by the sun and they go white or they go dark red, um, you know. Uh, that's the crop. It's gone. And, you know, I have watched some of the growers uh, on this farm, um, uh, you know, just walk away wow. from, really? from their crop. Yes, yeah. Wow. They, had, they had two this year. There's a, um, there's a, late, uh, a late producing blackberry. Uh, they've got about, uh, going back to the old money, two acres of it. Yep. And um, it hit some. It hit those very hot days, and uh, they lost it all. Lost it all. Unacceptable for the supermarkets. Um, we used to pick anything that was damaged in that way for seconds quality, yep. and put it in the freezer. And again, you know, it was very popular. We used to do a lot of shed door sales. People coming and buying frozen raspberries. They don't ever look like. A, a, you know, a real raspberry <laughs> when yes. you defrost them. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. you know, you, but you can do a myriad of uh, things, you know, uh, with um, uh, frozen raspberries and uh, and the chefs love them for that reason too. You know, they, they, it, it always raspberries up. And remember, one of the chefs, Philippa, Philippa um, used to make this fantastic raspberry jelly. Absolutely amazing. A lot of work, a lot of work, you know, straining it all through. But my goodness, she gave me some one day. I, I don't think I've ever tasted anything quite like it. You know, it was quite extraordinary. That's amazing. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned Philippa because that's Philippa, like, oh, what's her name? Yeah, Grogan from Philippa's. Yeah, and that's a very successful um, um, bakery, patissier uh, oh, shop. Oh, yes. oh. Um, this is a different Philippa. Mine, mine was uh, Philippa Sibley Cook, uh, who was a wonderful uh, pastry chef, and she, the, she and her husband at that time uh, had several restaurants. Uh, and Philippa Grogan, yes, we used to sell to Philippa's the um, uh, the, the pastry chef uh, down in Armadale, and uh, bread, wonderful bread she made, and uh, fantastic pastries, and used to use our raspberries. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so, Pam, so, you know, spending 20 years in the industry, knowing what you know now, 
if you could go back in time, what would be the one thing you'd change? It can be anything. The one thing, if you just go back in time and you go, you know, it could have changed that for whatever reason, what would that be? Oh. Um, right, Ben. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Isn't <laughs> yeah. It? it is. I, I don't think I've changed anything. I, no, think, it was a very, yeah. I think it was a very exciting, you know, time of my life. And, you know, for, for me and for Jeremy, we, you know, I mean, we knew nothing. We knew nothing. But what we discovered along the way was revelationary. Yes. And uh, what we, and where it took us uh, was um, quite, quite chilling. I, um, yes, I, and, the, and the people that we met and the, you know, friends, acquaintances, you know, the, from starting with uh, the pickers, you know, all of our wonderful backpackers, the other farmers, and, you know, the chefs. I mean, they were amazing people. And uh, the, the acquaintanceship, the friendship um, that, we, that we had with, um, well, with everyone in the industry was really quite extraordinary. And uh, I, don't, I can't think of anything I've changed. No, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, maybe you could, have, uh, you could have said maybe met me earlier, maybe. <laughs> maybe met Ben the beekeeper a bit earlier. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's right. That's right. It's, it's interesting. Uh, everything you're saying, and, and uh, I, I get a lot, a lot of, you know, people into bees want to get into bees you know especially beekeepers who want to starting off a business and and everything you're saying and regards to what you've done is number one hard work you know you worked mm. hard and we're talking as you said three o'clock in the morning and then it's, and mm. then you come back to the farm and you're working over winter because preparation getting ready for those crops so i think that's important but the yeah. other crucial thing is you went out and you spoke to people and as the old saying goes you see further when you're standing on the shoulders of giants and and you saw these chefs and you saw and said here's my you know beautiful fruit and you went straight to the straight to these really well-known people and i love that and i admire that and i think that's brilliant and people people need to do that rather than just sort of you know if they're a beekeeper um doing their little thing or, or whatever job they're doing it doesn't even have to be bees you know is push yourself you know push yourself to those oh, yeah. yes Really strongly. That's right. Trust your trust your own judgment, and you know we and we knew that we we'd grown something a bit special. You know, the fruit was beautiful, and we were we we're very proud of it. You know, and so off we and you know when you've got something, and you've got a great and you've got a great product, uh, you, you know you only have to stand there and smile. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and charge accordingly. <laughs> charge accordingly. I love it. That's and that's so true. Yeah. Stand there and smile. Charge accordingly. That's yeah. uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And um, and and what about the future? What's the future hold for you, Pam? Because you're you're, you're oh, yeah. Tell us about you. Golly. What's your future? Hold? Oh, golly, golly. Well, I'm old now, and um, uh, and, and I'm an old uh, 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 an activist. I'm a bit of a radical, really. I it's given me a chance, you know, to um. Uh, to, to follow some of the some 
some of the things that I uh, like to do politically, yeah. and uh, you know, this is this is uh, this is where I've ended up. Uh, Jeremy's retired much more gracefully. He just <laughs> he he, uh, he doesn't have the same um, <laughs> uh, you know allegiances as I do, or you know the commitments that I have. But uh, I'm it, yes, if there's a good rally. You might see me there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love it. That's good. Well, you've got you've got this lovely, gentle um, youth in your voice, and uh, absolutely beautiful. So, and uh, I just want to say a big a big thank you. Um, really appreciate your time today, Pam. You've just you know really interesting everything you're talking about, and you know love your passion, your enthusiasm for doing doing this and jumping in there. So. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, that's great, Ben. Well, thank you for asking me. And um, and I look. I just think if if I can do it, um, you know, when I was yeah, I, how old was I? Oh, it, it, you know, I just hit my fifty fifth birthday, and uh, you know, and we started farming. So there's uh, there's opportunities for everybody and. There is there's great satisfaction. There's great satisfaction. Hard work, we agree, absolutely, but there's great satisfaction. And so, yeah, I'd, um, I recommend it. Love it. Absolutely love it. And thank you so much for your time, Ben. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Ben. <laughs>